the award-winning seven-seat Kia Sorento. Kia, official partner of the FIFA Women's World Cup 2023. Toolmart, the complete tool centre, serving WA for over 40 years. This is Sports Day. Okay, hello everyone. Here we are, Monday, another week has gone and one more round of AFL home and away fixtures to come. Quite incredible, isn't it? Uh, and Justin, by the way, we'll bring it right at the top. Congratulations to Matt Johnson from the Fremantle Football Club, uh, who is this week's Rising Star nominee for Round 23. Good on you, Matt. Yeah, played a good game yesterday, even though the Fremantle Footy Club were beaten by Port Adelaide here at Optus Stadium. Interesting game of footy. I'd like to get your thoughts on that. Just regarding the Rising Star, I know the Eagles have had three nominees this season. And for Fremantle, the only other one was, I think, Jai Amos uh, in Round 11. So two from Fremantle and three from the West Coast Eagles. Can also mention, after the program, after Sports Day WA, uh, the West Coast Eagles, actually, we've just seen it about uh, three, four minutes ago, posted a really nice tribute on their website regarding uh, Shannon Hearn, their games record holder and their former skipper, you know, the likes of John Worsfold, Josh Kennedy uh, and many others, Darren Glass, Will Schofield and others uh, are paying their tribute to Shannon Hearn. So have a look at that because it can be a pretty moving weekend coming up with the likes of, you know, Shannon Hearn, Luke Shuey, Nick Natanui all being farewelled from the West Coast Eagles' nest in their home game against the Adelaide Crows this Saturday night. Uh, it should be quite an emotional occasion for the three individuals, uh, for the fans that are coming along and for the footy club because they've been great servants of that football club. So uh, that happens on Saturday night. What's also interesting uh, regarding the West Coast Eagles is the victory that they had against the Western Bulldogs, against expectations. I'm going to speak to Guy McKenna in just a few moments. We're just going to get him up on the line. And I want to talk to Guy McKenna, the former West Coast Eagles captain. He did coach or captain the West Coast Eagles for a couple of seasons. As we know, one of their greats. But he also coached the Gold Coast Suns. As we know today, Damien Hardwick was announced as the new Gold Coast Suns coach for the next six seasons, taking him through to 2029. Uh, probably the AFL's worst kept secret in recent weeks. But anyway, uh, Guy McKenna knows about coaching on the Gold Coast. He's going to join us and also have a chat to him about Adam Simpson. He did go to a bit of an Eagles function in Melbourne. He was invited along a couple of weeks ago when the West Coast Eagles were also in Melbourne. And I'm going to ask him about Adam Simpson, his body language and his opinion on whether Simo should continue on and coach out the final two years of his contract being 2024-2025. Also, later in the program, I'm going to speak to a man that uh, spent almost 50 years at the Seven Network and covered uh, some of the big events when it came to the Seven Network. We're talking about Pat Welsh. He's a Queenslander, and as we know, on the weekend, uh, the Queenslanders, and in particular, the city of Brisbane, rallied around the Matildas. 
They got beaten in their playoff game for third by Sweden by two goals to nil. Last night, we had the FIFA Women's World Cup final with Spain defeated England by one goal to nil. So after a month of celebration, the FIFA Women's World Cup is behind us. And I'll talk to Pat Welsh about the celebrations. He went, of course, to the big gathering yesterday uh, when the uh, Matildas came out to thank the fans there in Queensland and in particular Brisbane and said farewell also to the Australian community that supported them so well over the past month. So Pat Welsh is going to join us a bit later on. I'm going to also ask Pat Welsh about Damien Hardwick and the Gold Coast Suns appointment and also his thoughts on AFL football versus NRL because Laurie Daly came out former State of Origin coach, uh, great player for Canberra Raiders during his time in the NRL, also former State of Origin coach for New South Wales, suggesting that the AFL is now becoming uh, a more dominant sport in some ways within Queensland than the NRL. So I'll throw that to Pat Welsh a bit later on as well. Surely, Bluey. And the other thing that I'd like to get your thoughts on the Tempera Bedshed text machine, 0487 736 736. If you're listening to the commentary yesterday with Scott Cummings, Jimmy Williams and yours truly, I made mention because there was a couple of posters yesterday and at the eastern end, and I can't recall the player who hit the post. It might have been Finlandson or someone like that, hit the post and the ball actually came back into the theatre of play and it was about 20 metres inside the field and nobody had picked it up uh, because... Luke Ryan was about to send the ball back into play after that behind. And I said, and I turned around to Scotty Cummings, and I said, wouldn't it add another dimension? And then I think maybe Mardo touched on this in the run home because we had a conversation actually before the run home on whether that football should be live. If it hits the post and it comes back into play, the football is live. Imagine the frenetic pace of all these players going towards this football, the attackers trying to score and the defenders trying to get the ball out. And also you'd see a different setup knowing that they got to be prepared just in case the ball hits the post. So I'd like to hear your thoughts on that. You know, the AFL has changed rules every season, if not every week over the last two or three years. They keep changing rules. We know the bounce is going to go and we know there's so many other dynamics in the game that have changed considerably in recent times and they want to speed up the game. So ball hits the post, comes back into the field of play, play on. The ball is still live. I'd like to get your thoughts on that. Is it worth exploring? It certainly would add something, I think, another good dimension to this Games of Australian Rules 40. 0487 736 736. We're here for the Kia EV6 GT, World Performance Car of the Year. And, of course, our friends Toolmart, the Complete Tool Centre, who have been serving WA now for over 45 years. Also, later on, we've got the top five at five for Novus Auto Glass. There's one near you, 13, 22, 34. The top five stories in the last 24 hours or so. But at seven minutes past five, Guy McKenna, former West Coast Eagles captain, champion, Hall of Famer. He's done it all at the West Coast Eagles. He also coached the Gold Coast Suns. He was their inaugural coach. He joins us on the program. Thanks for your time, Blue. G'day, Pete. How are you, mate? Not bad, not bad. Uh, well, the FIFA Women's World Cup has just concluded and now the AFL has got a bit of 
uh, free space now to promote uh, themselves heading into what I think it would be a pretty exciting AFL series as we head into the final round of home and away fixtures and still a few questions to be answered regarding who partakes in those finals. Well, yeah, and who plays who? Because I think it's like the top three play the bottom um, sort of five or six, seven and eight side as well. So it's all uh, it's almost like a preview for the final. So, yeah, I mean, things potentially could change. I don't think, I'd, honestly, looking at the fixture, I don't think a lot will change. Maybe it's some percentage and if there is an upset or um, along the way. But, um, but yeah, it's going to be, a, a, yeah, there's certainly some sides are going to be doing some uh, touching and feeling of a potential opponent in the first week of the finals, which... Uh, Makes for good viewing. Yeah, good to see your former club, the West Coast Eagles, uh, surprise a few people with their victory on the weekend. Yeah, oh, it certainly was a surprise. Given, I mean, again, given given what the one they how they've been travelling, of course, and personnel and, and all the other bits and pieces going on, and obviously with the doggies with so much to play. Um, but yeah, they persevered and um, they found a way, and um, they got a, a really good result and a good result for the for the club and. Um, yeah, I mean the uh, the talk about uh, you know tanking and all that sort of stuff <laughs> is just incredulous if you think about it. Where you really sit down and think about who would even consider that, because again, it's it's teaching the players the good habits and the, you know good habits. Um, you know they start you know, your preparation and then your training and all those sorts of things, and then winning. The more games you you are know, involved in and winning, well, the better chance you got of winning the next one. I would have thought. So it's a fairly simple logic to follow as far as I'm concerned. I'll come back at the end of the chat and just ask you a couple of questions about the coach, Adam Simpson, and how you think he's handled it. But speaking of coaches, today, Damien Hardwick, probably the AFL's worst kept secret in recent times, was announced as the new coach of the Gold Coast Suns for the next six years, which is a pretty good tenure. Uh, They even flew to Milan to have a chat to him while he was holidaying there in Italy. Now, of course, you coached the Gold Coast Suns from 2011 to 2014, and many people have said a lot about a national team coming out of that part of Australia. What was your experiences about you know, coaching at the Gold Coast, knowing that it wasn't really, like Melbourne, AFL-centric? Oh, yeah, and that's, you know, given given the results on the field, mate, and it wasn't to the players' detriment, but we certainly had to spend a lot of time off the field in, in you know, engaging our environment and our community because, yeah, that, well, we weren't. We, we all understood we weren't going to... Not that it was a plan not to be so successful. Of course, we wanted to be successful and, of course, we wanted to win every game, but we knew how difficult that was going to be based on history of young sides playing up against old sides. So, yeah, so um, unbeknownst and hopefully the AFL, um, hopefully it's been seven years since I've retired. It's 2040. Oh, it is too, well and truly. Yeah. Hopefully that's a monitorium on it because um, unbeknownst to the players and the players were fantastic, mind you, but still, we had a big playing list of 53, but... Back then, um, I think the players had to do two and a half thousand hours of uh, community time, and even the uh, the great Gary Ablett and all our leaders, Nathan Bock, um, Michael Riscatelli, Jared Harbrow, Campbell Brown, Joshy Fraser, all those boys. Um, uh, unbeknownst to them, we just did it because that's what we had to do, and they were fantastic. They did that. Not, not, we did not get one complaint, nor they knew that we were spending five hours. They were spending five thousand hours in the community. Um, and it was sort of um, an unwritten sort of secret amongst the uh, admin and football staff because um, that's what we had to do. We had to press the flesh um, and get out and see the people. I think the the well-established clubs that have, have got big fan bases, won uh, premierships and all that sort of stuff, totally understand that the fans will come to them, whereas we had to 
And we understood um, up that that market, which is a, a non-traditional football state, that we had to um, embrace them before they were going to embrace us. So uh, we did that as best we can. But again, smartly, as as we became, when I say more successful, mate, those three wins turned into eight wins. Well, we started to wind it back because we needed to spend, and the players could, of course, spend more time on the training track. So I think by the four, my more my last year, the fourth year when we got to ten wins, that was back to two and a half thousand hours. But um, we just thought that was necessary to make sure that we had the community on side, which, look, everyone speaks about all those um, uh, sporting clubs. And, look, the Bears and Robert Walls, um, you know, uh, you know, he was the first one to go up there as well um, after some other coaches to have some sort of traction with the, with the Bears, but it was always going to be difficult. And, look, the simple fact is, mate, there's 350,000 people, I think, or getting maybe close to 500,000 people on the... Gold Coast now, they just don't have, you know, the millions of um, populations to, to support a lot of clubs. So by definition, they failed. But because of the weight of the AFL, it's certainly going to be a, a success. Uh, and obviously with the appointment today, um, we're not going to say fast track it, but it was certainly going to help, um, you know, the club get some um, validity amongst the community because now there's a premiership coach coaching the Gold Coast. Yeah, but saying that, there's no guarantees, is there, Bluey? Because as you said, in your final year, there were 10 wins, 12 losses, very similar to what roughly they're at at the moment. That was 2014, and they decided to move away from Guy McKenna because they didn't play finals in the first four years. They haven't played finals yet, and we're now heading into 2024 next year. There's no guarantees, is there? Oh, definitely not. And look, I'll be, I won't mention names again. I've already been over this a thousand times. But yeah, that was the question I was asked at the uh, the board meeting, which I didn't think was going to be my last, but it, clearly it was. But um, when I was asked about um, you know next year, if you think everyone's fit and healthy, how do you reckon we'll go? Do we think we'll make finals? And I said, well, you realise you have to win twelve games. The AFL actually don't, and the other clubs don't don't go and hand you twelve games. You actually have to go out and do that. You mm. understand that. Um, and so, yeah, it, it is it, it is tough. And, yeah, I, I look back too, and I, I, I'm still proud of the, the coaching effort of myself and Matty Primus and Kenny Hinckley, Dean Solomon and Shane O'Brien when up against no premiership coaches there. Um, Matty Primus was the only other, he had previous um, uh, coaching senior coaching experience at Port, I think for, for, for four years, maybe three or four years. But, you know, senior coach alongside me, who was a newbie, as a senior coach, so he was the one with basically all the experience, and then the other, the rest of us were all new. And obviously, Kenny had spent some time uh, with uh, doing some premiership time with the, with the Cats. Um, and then, if you look at the uh, the first, uh, as I like to do, look at the first four years of our success, having 24 wins versus, you know, and everyone talked about you know Kevin Sheedy, and so they should, and Choco Williams. Well, there was four premierships from day one over at that club. You know, we had none. But they, they won 21 games and we'd won 24. So I still look at our record and think it's remarkable considering, you know, the experience of players, um, and the list build, the way it went, uh, and, that, and they slightly went uh, in different directions. Um, and versus the coaching um, IP, if you like. So, yeah. So, yeah, premiership success. And, and, and again, I still talk to, you know, Matty... Um, uh, not Matty Clarkson. He actually plays for me at, Cor- uh, um, at Caulfield. But... Um, <laughs> Um, Alistair Clarkson, you know, he's kind of, I mean, he's had his trials and tribulations, of course, this year with North, but, you know, um, I know two or three years after um, he'd had, he just won his fourth flag at Hawthorne. I mean, they won five games, you know, so, um, you know, it's it's not a walk-up start. And But look, I, I listened to parts of the press conference and, you know, I'm on, and Dimmer understands and look, he, 
he, because of his experience of um, at Richmond before he was almost walked out the door, they stuck with him and then the wheel turned because of all that foundation work that he'd done in development and, and getting everyone to buy into a game plan and a club and we we're all we we're all in this together sort of mentality. Well, I dare say that experience is going to help him a lot at the Gold Coast. So let me ask you this question. It's like multiple choice in some ways, Bluey. So <laughs> why haven't they had success? Is it the coaches they've selected? Is it, nah, the list, nah, uh, nah. is it the list of players they've selected or is it because geographically where it's placed? What's been the biggest hindrance to Gold Coast having success? Because the AFL have bankrolled it. There's no question about that. Yeah, yeah. Well, is it is uh, so option E is none of the above? Um, <laughs> just, well, simply, mate, it's, again, just look at West Coast. Just look at North this year. Why aren't they successful? Well, because they're the youngest and, and I talk about inexperienced lists going around. I mean, uh, someone, well, if there's anyone left to be uh, out of the, uh, off, off rehab, but, you know, Simo this year replaces a 19-year-old with another 18-year-old or a 19-year-old who's played five games, he gets replaced with a 19-year-old that plays three games. I mean, you know, and then if you bring in a senior player, he lasts two or three weeks because the load on him and it's just this nasty little cycle that just continues with sides that have spent time down there and they spend time down there and, and it's no... It's it's no it's not bizarre to me to go if you look at the, the the top four sides at the end of the year compared to the bottom four sides there'll be one thing that stands out will be the games on general it's the age um, the games experience I should say in those teams now there'll be an anomaly like probably two years ago um, even with West Coast they have an older they have an old or their side that plays is old but they're old and slow and they're breaking down and all that sort of stuff so that's that's when you know you need to start pulling the ripcord and get a bit parachute out because the land is. It's going to be really hard, and and that, and that's what they found out. And they're they're not the first club to go through that. We've seen some other really experienced sides that have been backed in. They get over the hill, and then all of a sudden you're left with ten or twelve senior players, and you just don't you just don't recruit that many or draft that many, you know, in an off season. So you hang you're forced to hang on to it because you've you've hung on to it in the first place. So yeah, E is my answer because Gold Coast just hasn't got old yet. I mean, even in my fourth year. The second last game we played Essen, and my media manager came up and said, oh, Bluey, as far as experience goes, do you realise this is your least experienced team as far as um, games played? I said, what? We couldn't be. I mean, you know, David Swallow's now playing his 60th or 70th game. In, his, in, in our first game, though, he, he was playing his first. We had 15 debutants that year. He can't be right, but he was. So we spent four years in the AFL, but David Swallow moved from, you know, one game to 70-odd to you know, Sam Day had, had done the same. Tom Lynch had done the, done the same. Um, Dion Presti had done that. We put 60 or 70 games into these kids. So hence the reason we'd gone from three wins to eight wins. It wasn't wasn't like rocket science here. Um, yeah. And but and then all of a sudden they did another. The coach went and Rocket came in and they had another appeal back and they got young again. And so they've always been young. And just but again now, just as they're starting to get old. So Dimmer's timed his run beautifully in my my humble opinion because. They're, they're right. They, the ingredients are all there. Um, they still they still need to get in the mixing bowl and mix it all together, and they still need to stick it in the oven. So, as you said, Pete, there's, it's not it's not like uh, Dimmer's going to click his fingers and they're just going to um, you know bounce into the finals next year. They're, they're a good chance because that there was silly chance to make it up until about a couple of weeks ago. So they haven't been far off. No. Um, so they're a lot better primed now. Certainly, as Rocket uh, when he took over from me, and, and even when um, you know Dewey took over from Rocket. So I mean, of all the 
comings of coaches, this is probably the best one. And again, you know, some of those players now, um, and they're in those facilities, they're new facilities, new environments. Um, well, when I say new, but they're all comfortable in them now. I mean, you know, a couple of years back, they were new for Dewey and, and the players because, you know, from the Commonwealth Games and all that sort of stuff. But now everyone's had some time in there. They're all settled, like your own, your own home you build and buy, you know, cracks and groans and all that sort of stuff. But six months in, you're all used to all that sort of stuff. And I think the players... Um, now, and again, Dewey didn't have it. Uh, I certainly didn't have it. Rocket didn't have it either. But, you know, you're, you're going to get a coach that's got premiership success. He's obviously dealt with a lot of managers. So all of a sudden, when I say the go-home clause, it's just very easy for a manager to say, well, don't you want to go and play for a... or go and play back home or two, go and play for a premiership coach. He knows what he's doing. Yeah. These other bozos don't, you know. So all that sort of stuff. He ticks all those boxes. So, um, yeah, they've certainly got a a better chance of success than they ever have. But they will have success, mate, I'm telling you. Okay, yeah. And finally, Bluey, before we let you go, uh, have you read the body language of Adam Simpson, who's been under siege, not only here in Western Australia and Perth, but uh, around the country because of what's happened in the last couple of years? Uh, I suppose nobody would like to be in his shoes, but how have you read his body language? Yeah, well, I was here at the East Coast Eagles launch over here in Melbourne. He spoke, and I thought what he said and how he said it was... Uh, was on point. Uh, I don't think he, he didn't certainly overestimate where he thought they were going to be and certainly didn't underestimate them. I was, I was probably a bit the other way. I thought um, not so much him, it's just the supporters in the room because he hit the hit the nerve, hit the nail on the head. Everyone was up and about. So they should have been. But I did I didn't I, I did think the year was going to be challenging. Clearly not as challenging given the injuries and everything else that's happened along the way. So. Um, but yeah, I, I just don't think. What else can he do? I mean, that's. Someone asked me about that. If you know, after one of the hundred-point losses, you know, Trevor Nisbet goes down and beats his hands on the table. Well, I mean, anyone, even Mick Mouldhouse or Kevin Sheedy, would sit there. Well, what else can I do, mate? They're all injured. <laughs> I've got no one else to replace them with. What more can you? You want me to play the backs as forwards and the forwards as backs and turn the in, uh, mids inside out? I just don't know what else he could have done. So it's really, it's really up to him what he. But I hear. Um, I'm not so much on the body language, but I've heard him talk and he talks like he wants to be there and, and be in the rebuild. And I think we remember uh, Mickey Malthouse, mate, like it was only yesterday, but I remember him telling me at the start of my coaching journey, he has always said that you've never coached until you've coached a bottom four side because you basically go into a well a season like um, Simo has with his one arm tied behind his back. There's very few levers he can pull because he's, you know, better players are sitting on the wrong side of the fence. We've got some kids that will for the first quarter will kick it like Malcolm Blythe uh, or, you know, Chris Judd and then, you know, um, or Nathan Buckley. And then the next very next quarter, they'll come out and they'll kick it up the chimney or kick it sideways or kick it out of bounds. You'll be sitting there shaking your head going, oh, why's this? And, well, unfortunately, uh, kids will be consistently inconsistent. They don't mean to be, but until they get to 40 or 50 games, they become a bit more resilient and a bit more... Um, Consistent, and then they start to become good, you know, semi-senior players. And that's he just hasn't he hasn't got enough of those players to be seriously contending, you know, even winning matches, let alone staying in them. Good on you, Bluey. Much appreciated, Pete. Ah, lovely to have a chat to him, uh, Guy McKenna, the uh, former champion of the West Coast Eagles. And Norm says, I fully agree, Pete. Uh, if the ball hits any post and bounces back into the field of play, it's play on. They could also have cameras on both sides of all the posts looking straight down to the base of the post. I agree with you, Norm. I don't think the technology is right there yet. And Lisa certainly enjoyed Guy McKenna. Great hearing another Eagles legend in Guy McKenna on air. What a win by the Eagles. Tim Kelly was outstanding. Oscar Allen. They were. They were terrific.
And Simo needs to stay and take the club forward. Uh, and as Bluey said, uh, as far as he's concerned, he's been coaching with one arm behind his back. So he's supportive of Adam Simpson. Just repeating for the good oil for Cobram Estate, Premier Australian Extra Virgin Olive Oil. The big stories today that the West Coast Eagles board that came out today met at the chairman's house. Very informal uh, to discuss a few matters uh, regarding the West Coast Eagles, of which the main focus was how do we celebrate and how do we present our three great players, her Natanui and Shui in their retirement uh, this Saturday night. And as well as that, as we've mentioned, the Gold Coast uh, Sons have appointed Damien Hartwick as the coach for the next six years. All thanks to Cobram Estate, Australia's most awarded extra virgin olive oil, grown, harvested and first cold-pressed in northern Victoria. We'll take a break. Uh, the top five is coming up next here on Sports Day. The award-winning seven-seat Kia Sorento. Kia, official partner of the FIFA Women's World Cup 2023. Toolmart, the complete tool centre, serving WA for over 40 years. This is Sports Day. Yeah, it's great to have your company. As we step into the top five at five, and there's a Novus Auto Glass near you, all you need to do is ring 13 22 34. Let's look at the five biggest stories in the last 24 48 hours. Number five Perisic. It's Ben Davis. Oh, and Ben Davis almost apologetically turns and salutes what should be the clinching goal for Spurs as the final is blown. Harry who? It's finished Tottenham 2, Manchester United 0. Love Big Ange instead. They're brilliant. Honestly, the uh, soccer supporters in England, just like that, can write a song, and they've done that about Ange Costa-Coglu after they beat uh, Manchester United by two goals to nil, his first Premier League win. Number four. As the West Coast Eagles claim their third victory of the year, they rise off the bottom of the ladder with a seven-point victory over the Western Bulldogs. We tried to tank that the last three minutes. It didn't work. I kept on saying kick it the other way and play equalised game. But, no, nah, look, it was um, credit to the players. They were really disappointed last week. So to respond the way they did, it's been a heavy couple of weeks and, yeah, really proud of the players. Yeah, well answered too by Simo. I thought he handled that uh, very nicely indeed, a, a bit of tongue-in-cheek. Good win by the West Coast Eagles and they'll be looking for back-to-back -back wins when they host Adelaide this week. Number three. Could be the goal of his life. Opens it up. Bangs it a goal. He's got it. One for the ages. No. It's touched the post. They're celebrating. But I know. But I know yet. 
Unbelievable. Saturday Night Confusion. There was a song many years ago called Saturday Morning Confusion. Well, let me tell you, there was Saturday Night Confusion. And how that decision stood defies logic and common sense. And that was a heavy talking point on the run home. We've all got an opinion, but as they say, we need to move on. Even though the Adelaide Crows will be thinking to themselves, it's cost us a chance of maybe finals football. Number two. Um, very, very, very excited. Um, I likened it to, to waking up on Christmas Day and walking out to a, a set of brand new toys, which is very exciting. And what I do know is the quality people here and the quality playing list we have, we're, we're capable of doing some special things. Um, and I'm very excited to be a part of that journey. So I can't wait to get, get started. I know that this season's uh, coming to its finality, but uh, I'm very much looking forward to, to coaching you young men and take us to where we need to go, and that's to, uh, to raise our first Premiership Cup, which I'm, uh, I'm pretty sure will be in the not-too-distant future. Big call, but anyway, the fourth senior coach for the Gold Coast Suns. We wish him all the best, Damien Hardwick, being announced today. Six-year deal that'll take him through to 2029. Number one. Spain's goalkeeper clutches it through the air, falls on top of it, and there is the final whistle. It's a classic fairy tale of trials and tribulations for Spain. Turmoil turned into triumph. A team at odds with its federation. They've rallied together. And these 23 women have unleashed their red fury onto the world. England have been vanquished. It is Spain who are the World Cup champions. Defeating England 1-0 in the final. And it was certainly uh, the tournament that caught everybody by surprise. Uh, it even caught the Football Federation of Australia. It surprised the Seven Network with the ratings bonanza. It surprised everybody. Everybody has said we didn't expect that. And uh, what a great ride it was. And well done to the Matildas to finish fourth at this World Cup. Ranked now fourth in the world. Sweden third. Uh, England, unfortunately, the only World Cup they've had success with, both in men's and women's, is back in 1966 when they won the Men's World Cup at home uh, there in England all those years ago. And they thought that drought may have been broken uh, against Spain here in Australia and in particular Sydney on uh, Sunday night, but it wasn't to be. That drought continues. The bridesmaids, the English against Spain, who, to be fair, we're the better side on the night and played some very, very skillful football indeed. We're going to speak to Pat Welsh next after the break. He's been involved in a lot of significant sporting events. We're going to ask him how this one rates uh, in his career. That's next. Welcome back to uh, SEN's Sports Day WA with Peter Vlahos. And we're here for Kia, the EV6 GT World Performance Car of the Year, and Toolmart, the Complete Tool Centre. They've been serving Western Australia for over 45 years. Well, I thought uh, we'd get somebody that certainly has been involved with significant major sporting events in this country over his time as a Channel 7 presenter and journalist, almost spanning 50 years. Of course, we're talking about Pat Welsh, who today, or these days, with Ian Healy, bring you the uh, Pat and Heels Breakfast Programme on SENQ out of Brisbane. And Pat Welsh joins us on the program. Pat, thanks for your time. Peter, pleasure. 
I thought I'd get you on on the back end of certainly your experience in with major sporting events and the fact that the Matildas now, the curtain came down uh, across the weekend there in Brisbane when they lost their third-place playoff match against Sweden. But yesterday, all the fans got together. The uh, Matildas came out to say a big thank you to all the people that have supported them during uh, this amazing event over the last month. Uh, what about your thoughts on... Everything that's transpired has it caught you by surprise? Yep, uh, totally. To tell you the truth, I mean, I knew it'd be big, uh, and we knew that they, the Matildas, went in rank number ten. So we, you know, we had our fingers crossed that we were going to uh, perform above that uh, because they were on home soil and playing in front of home crowds. But just to, well, for a start, if we work backwards, yesterday, for example, for the handing over of the keys to the city, and the premier was there with another couple of announcements of you know, financial backing for women's sport, etc. There were kids lining up there at 6 o'clock yesterday morning with their parents. And that's the thing I've noticed as opposed to a lot of other big, say, football events in this town, in this state. And we talk, you know, here, state of origin, uh, big Broncos games, big Lions games. Um, there was just so many more families involved in this. Um, it was just, it was really wonderful. It was, it was great to see the little kids staying up a little bit late, their faces painted, wearing their Matilda's gear. So obviously, Pete, you know, the question is now how we leverage it. Uh, you know, the old cliche, what's the legacy? And this is where the administrators and the politicians have, uh, have got to get it right because they've been handed something on a, on a gold platter here and, they, and they've just got to get it right, really. It's interesting, and uh, what has been paraded out by your former employer, uh, being the Seven Network, is the amazing amount of people that viewed this uh, spectacular performance by the Matildas. Like, for us here in Perth, it rated higher than the 2018 AFL Grand Final when our very own West Coast Eagles beat Collingwood in a classic at the MCG. Oh, really? It, it's outrated anything that's happened here in free-to-air television in Perth, Western Australia. And as we know now, it surpassed uh, Cathy Freeman's 400-metre gold medal at the Sydney Olympic in 2000. Now, that would have been unheard of. People would have been laughing at you if you ever suggested that would be the case. So Seven, on yeah. the other hand, must be just licking their lips now. Well, whoever paid the $4 million plus for the rights uh, would... Would, I would imagine now be sitting with a drink with a lot of fruit and pines coming out of it uh, <laughs> under a tree in the Caribbean somewhere because they would have got an instant promotion. You're right. Their figures... Look, it's a little bit hard to compare the ratings by the same token. I mean, we're talking 2000, so uh, it's a completely different rating system now. We get streaming thrown in as well, Pete. So, um, you know, I know that the, the magic number that they talk about with Cathy and the 400 and that, that night of just wonderful track and field... Uh, is eight million. Uh, I'm not sure what our what our population was 23 years ago, um, but yeah, look, the, the numbers that were tossed up by this Matildas team every time they took the field, particularly in the latter stages of the tournament, were just mind blowing. And in, and you, you know, you and I are in the media. If you get those sort of ratings, you can retire on them almost. <laughs> I mean, it's just it's uh, it, they're, they're sort of unheard of. So. Yeah, look, it was wonderful. They finished fourth, came in rated 10th. Um, there's been so much hype around them. But as I said now, and I know the federal government have thrown in a, a couple of hundred million, uh, certainly here in Queensland, the state government has, has jumped on the bandwagon, so we're going to improve facilities 
for a lot of our women's sports sports uh, stars because you know some of them have to still get dressed in male dressing rooms and things like that, Peter. So, yeah, there's a, there's a lot of things and a lot of advancements to be made, and hopefully they can use the Matildas as one of the biggest and most solid bases they'll ever, ever receive. Is it a wake-up call for the football codes, the one that's dominant there in Queensland being the NRL and naturally the AFL? Uh, they probably wouldn't have expected any opposition like this inside their regular season. No, well, in fact, they threw the, uh, the AFL had a Lions game up against one of the Matildas games in Brisbane. So, uh, you know, just if you're not aware of the geography in, in Brisbane, uh, Suncorp Stadium or Brisbane Stadium, as it was called for the uh, the FIFA event, and the Gabba are uh, oh, probably as the crow flies about four or five k's apart, just one on either side of the river. Um, and yeah, they were both sold out that night. So look, the AFL will, will point to the fact that the Lions produced a sellout that night. But I, I think it sort of pointed to the fact that they probably weren't expecting uh, the AFL and the NRL expecting quite this hype. And this, well, it was just craziness that went on around the Matildas as they just kept winning games and kept advancing in the tournament. So, yeah, it was a little bit of a wake-up call. Um, you know, parents now are, are telling me that, hey, you know, the kids are out there kicking soccer balls and things like that. I, look, I, I have a rough idea of what it's like in, in Perth. And, and obviously the AFL is just a religion over there. But, look, soccer should be trying to build on what they've, what they've seen and achieved in the last month and a half. Mm, certainly, uh, it's been significant. So saying that, uh, James Johnson, the CEO of Football Australia, came out today and he says, we're now making a serious bid for the 2034 Men's World Cup. Yeah. Now, Pat, if that eventuates, God help us, it could be something just out of this world. Oh, yeah, it'll be bigger than anything we've ever seen. Um, you know, I, I still think the biggest thing that I've seen is obviously Kathy that night. I was lucky enough to be the first to interview her. I was 15 metres from the finish line when she crossed. And you've got to remember, in, in the setup the stadium was, that it held uh, just over 112,000 people. So, uh, you know, the noise that night, and I've done 112,000, probably 108 were barracking for Kathy. <laughs> the noise that night was certainly the biggest I've ever heard in a stadium and probably... You know, I'll never hear anything like it, I don't think. Um, yeah, look, what they do, I, I, I don't know. If we can get the men's here, uh, I think that might be a, a tougher ask. But obviously, Infantino just loved what happened out here. FIFA have made more money than they were expecting, apparently. So, yeah, why, why couldn't we dream big, you know, when we've got an Olympic Games coming here in 2032? I need to ask you this question without notice, so apologies, mm. Pat. But today, of course, Damien Hardwick has announced as coach of the Gold Coast Suns yeah. on a six-year deal, the worst-kept secret in the AFL. <laughs> and then Laurie Daly came out the other day, the former State of Origin coach for New South Wales, saying that AFL is bigger than the NRL. So I tell you what, there's a real war between the footy codes as well. Yeah, and well, look, with the Lions going the way they're going, they've obviously got to beat St Kilda this weekend. They finished second. Um, there's a great chance that we, you know, if they, if they keep playing well, there's a great chance that we have, won't have to go to Melbourne until grand final day if they keep going and then, you know, test their mettle at the MCG. The Brisbane Broncos have had a miserable couple of seasons, but this year uh, running second on the ladder as well. So there's a lot of hype around the footy here. I think Laurie may be overstating the effect of the AFL in, in the two rugby, in the two 
key rugby league states, to tell you the truth. Uh, if, if your papers and your, your social media are an indication, league is still number one over here. But in saying that, both the Suns and the Lions are boasting record membership bases and they're having pretty much no trouble. Well, the Lions sell out the Gabba virtually every time they trot around now. And the Suns, uh, because they've been a little more competitive this year, uh, are starting to you know, pull bigger crowds as well. And now with Hardwick, who's, as you well know, is a hard-nosed coach, which is possibly what they need down there. They've got a, a stack of talent. I think anyone in the AFL will agree with that. Um, someone like Hardwick could be just the guy to take them through. They've given him the job for six years. I said, you know, there's some raw metals to work with, sort of moulded into some ingots of gold. Finally, speaking about Gold Coast, the Gold Coast Titans, they've been there and there about, but they haven't really set yeah. the world on light there on the on the paradise strip of being the Gold Coast. And they've had Meninga as a coach. They've had Walters as a coach. I think Hasler's been there as well. And they haven't been able well, to necessarily work the charm. Is there something yeah, about that, a national team out of the Gold Coast? Look, well, there's the, it's going to be an interesting dynamic. Hasler's about to come to the Titans. So, again, they've gone from, you know, the Stuart Jew, they had Justin Holbrook, both really nice guys, both well-respected by the playing group, et cetera. So I don't think there was any player revolt with either of the coaches departing with their respective clubs. But the two Gold Coast, you know, major national franchises have now seen fit to get, and can I, can I say it, hard-ass coaches? Mm. I, you know, so you know, that's what Hasler is. They call him the mad scientist in in league, and I, I think I don't think there's any doubt that, that that's what Hardwick is in AFL. I mean, I, I, I bow to your superior knowledge on that, but that maybe maybe that's what they needed. It's always been seen as well. It's you know the tourist mecca of Australia, and there are a lot of distractions. But I know the two clubs have gone to extraordinary lengths to try and keep their players away from the surface paradise nightlife, etc., and get them to live as normal lives albeit they're living, you know, in a, in a tourist capital, if you know what I mean. So, yeah, it's, it's been hard for the national franchises on the Gold Coast for a long time. The next couple of years with Hardwick and Hasler in charge of the two of the respective codes is going to be very interesting indeed. Good on you, Pat Welsh. Thanks for joining us. How's the Brecky Show going with heels? Uh, here it's going swimmingly beautifully. Yeah, well, he's only just back from a, an African safari. So we, <laughs> uh, it's gonna, it's, I think the rest of the week, Pete, is going to be like going over to someone's place for a slideshow. <laughs> he's, he's promised to produce a safari tale every day this week, which, I mean, I'm happy to send you copies of if you're that riveted by it, mate. <laughs> oh, gee, takes us back about the slideshow. That's very funny indeed. <laughs> Pat Welsh, thanks for your time. Much appreciated. Yeah, no, you're right, Pete. No drama. Pat Welsh, uh, good man, and as I said, he's been involved in the Queensland media for 50 years. He knows what's going around, and I thought he'd be the perfect man to talk about uh, the Matildas, because that's where their campaign finished, in Brisbane, uh, in Queensland. Just before I go, for Polaris, Australia's number one selling side-by-side brand, just recapping the major news stories for today. In the AFL's latest uh, worst-kept secret, Damien Harwick was confirmed today, as the new coach of the Gold Coast Suns, starting from the 2024 season. He's got a six-year deal that'll take him through until 2029. Now, shocking footage has emerged of Western Bulldogs players having vile abuse hurled at them after their, in some ways, embarrassing loss to the Eagles on Sunday. Uh, The Bulldogs became, as we know, just the third team to lower their colours 
to the struggling Eagles, who have broken all kinds of unwanted records, as we know, during their worst season in the club's history. Bulldogs supporters were understandably shattered at the loss and furious with the team, but a select few at Marvel Stadium, from all reports, just took it a little bit too far. And as I mentioned in the chat with Pat Welsh, the CEO of Football Australia says they are seriously considering a bid for the 2034 FIFA Men's World Cup following the wild success of the women's tournament over the past month. And that's James Johnson, who is the CEO of uh, Football Australia. That's for Polaris. Uh, their plate clearance deals are on now. Save $2,000 on the Ranger 1000 EPS, plus get $1,000 free accessories. Thanks for joining us on the program tonight. Thanks to Jimmy and thanks to Asha for assisting with the production of the program. I'll be back again tomorrow from 5 here on Sports Day WA. All thanks to Kia EV6 GT, World Performance Car of the Year, and Toolmart, the Complete Tool Centre, serving WA for over 45 years. See you tomorrow.